0: Well, good morning again, if you have your Bibles and I hope you do, please turn with me to Galatians chapter five. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 23. You know, every single Sunday, when you walk into this church, um, whether you notice it every week or not, um, above the doors, we have Galatians 5:22 through23 listed out. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We have those verses there because we recognize that as believers, those fruits should be put on display 24-7 in our lives. As Christians, that is what is produced in us and should get out of us. Notice this morning, our sermon title is A Spirit-Filled Life. So let's read together beginning of verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, I think we all know this, but we are in a battle, aren't we? We are in a spiritual battle, a battle between good and evil, a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we are given um, some, some keys within our focal passage this morning to overcoming the flesh. Our message pointed this. We are to walk in the spirit. We're to walk in the spirit. You know, this sounds simple, but all of us know that it is not. You know, these verses we are studying this morning, are some of the most important in all of Scripture. Because these verses help us to answer some some very important questions. One of those questions being, why do I still do the things I do not want to do? You may be like, at this point in my Christian walk, I thought that I would have grown um, away from such things. I thought I would have gotten my anger under control or gotten my lust under control or gotten my lying lips under control, my desire for more and more and more stuff under control or gotten my bitterness under control, my cursing under control. You may be like, why do I continue still today, years after my salvation moment, still struggling with these things? You now Paul asked that very question in Romans chapter 7. He 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 wrote these words, Romans 7:15 through 20. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very things I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. Because we are still clothed in this flesh. So what can we do to sin a little bit less every single day? Paul gives us some suggestions to answer those questions. First, notice that we are to live life in the Spirit. You know, there may be some here this morning, and you may be asking the question, when Paul speaks of Spirit, what is Paul really saying here? Who is this Spirit? The Spirit is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. There is the Father, there is the Son, and then there is the Holy Spirit. When Jesus walked among us, he promised us that after his resurrection and ascension, he would send us the helper, his helper, the Holy Spirit, to be our guide, Our comforter, our helper, and our teacher. That is who the Holy Spirit is. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have spoken to you. Folks, at the moment of our salvation, the Spirit of God came and dwelt among us. Every single believer has a Spirit of God dwelling in them. And because the Spirit is in us, we have everything we need to overcome the flesh. You know that, right? I think we all know that. The key is to take Paul's advice and let the Spirit be our guide. Notice a few things here that Paul speaks up. We are called, first of all, to walk by the Spirit. Verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit. How many of you remember when your child took their first steps? Or maybe your grandchildren took their first steps. you remember that? you remember when they, when they probably um, held on to something and then they maybe walked to you? Man, they didn't walk like I'm walking now, did they? No, they were all wobbly, weren't they? Man, you were scared to death that they were going to fall and, and crack their head open or something. But, but what happened? Man, as time went along, their walk got a little bit sturdier. Their legs got a little bit stronger until the point now that they're grown adults and they walk just fine on their own, right? When you think about our relationship with Christ, when we first became a Christian, we were a little bit wobbly, weren't we? We were a little bit unstable in our faith. How did we get stronger? Well, we began to walk in Christ. We began to take God's Word and study God's Word and apply His Word to our life on a daily basis. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. And then we're told here, um, Paul also says that we are to be led by the Spirit. In verse 18 we read, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You know, the Galatians, the the people of, 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 of this church were being led in two ways. Okay, first of all, they were they were being presented with the gospel. They were coming to to faith in Christ. They were placing their faith and trust in Jesus. They were repenting of their sins, and then the 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 the, the Galatian church was um, more filled with Gentiles than than Jews. But there were some Jews in that church, and the Jews, what they were trying to do is they were trying to to get the Galatians, the Gentiles, to come to faith in Christ. But they were also placing upon them some restrictions. They were telling them that they had to be circumcised. They were telling them that they still needed to follow the different feasts and follow the different laws that, that, that once plagued them and once controlled them. Even though the law is not part of our lives today, we still can come, become pretty legalistic, can't we? Being led by the Spirit means we are going to let God's Word be our guidance. In Psalm one nineteen one oh five, 105, the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. So we are to walk by the Spirit, we are to be led by the Spirit, and we are also to live by the Spirit. And verse 25 tells us this. We live by the Spirit when our lives are in alignment with the will of God. Also in verse 25, we are called to keep in step with the Spirit to keep in step is different from walking. You have heard the saying, to be in lock step. To be in lock step is a way of marching where the person following seeks to mimic the person leading. When they step, you step. When they turn, you turn. When they begin to move, you begin to move. That is the picture here. That is what Paul is calling us to, to to be in lockstep with the Spirit of God. And the only way that you and I are going to be in lockstep with the Spirit of God is to take God's Word and apply His Word to our lives on a daily basis. So we are to live in the Spirit. We are also called to avoid the works of the flesh. In verses 16 through 17, We read again, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Have you ever held two magnets together and experienced those magnets pushing against each other? That is called repulsion. Paul states the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. The flesh and the Spirit cannot live in harmony with one another. They are actually at war with one another. Think about it. With the same mouth, we bless the Lord and we also curse our fellow man. We love as believers as well as hate at times. We serve and we steal. We proclaim Christ and we deny Christ. And that's a picture of that war that is going on within us. Going back to the garden, before that first sin was committed, the devil waved the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before Adam and Eve and told them that they could become like God if they ate of that fruit. Notice these words. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In that moment, the flesh was satisfied, and with the satisfaction of the flesh, after they ate of that forbidden fruit, came destruction of all of humanity. In that moment, the flesh was satisfied. And since that moment, humanity has certainly um, continued to allow the flesh to be satisfied. Look around us and we see this to be true. We build castles to live in and we fill them up with stuff that we don't need. We build sports venues to entertain us. All around us there is a picture of us satisfying the flesh with the things that we purchase and the things that we do and all such things. But notice what Paul says also beginning in verse 19. He gives us a list of what constitutes fleshly living. He said, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty exhausting list, but notice Paul also kind of says, and things like these, meaning that this is not all there is. There's many more things that we do to satisfy the flesh instead of satisfying the spirit. The world tells us that when we do those things right there, that we will have a good time. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't buy in to that lie. This is the same devil that planted those lies into our minds that also caused Adam and Eve to commit that first sin. When you and I, but notice this, when you and I live by the Spirit, And avoid the flesh, something beautiful happens within every believer. The Spirit produces fruit. Again, in verses 22 and 23, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is in contrast to what the flesh produces. The flesh produces what we just looked at in verses 19 through 21, but the Spirit produces the very character of God within the hearts of the believers. His very nature is birthed within us at the very moment of our salvation. Now, just like it takes time for fruit to mature on a tree, it will take time for the fruits of the Spirit to develop within us. I mean, think about a fruit tree, okay? Each fruit starts out as a flower or a bloom, right? What, what, what is necessary in order for that, that bloom to produce fruit? Well, we know pollinization needs to happen. Some form of fertilization needs to happen. Growth and development needs to happen. And, and when all of those things happen the way that they're supposed to, a beautiful piece of fruit is produced, on that tree. When you think about our lives, the same thing happens. Man, we're not all, we didn't just at the moment of our salvation have all the fruits produced and ready to pick within us. It takes time for the fruits to develop. It takes time for them to to fully produce. 2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are to grow, and as we grow, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Lord Jesus Christ gets out of us, those fruits are better produced in us. Every believer has each of the fruits of the Spirit being produced within them. That means my inability to be patient is on me. It's not God's fault. It's not my kid's fault. It's not my wife's fault or that slow driver in front of me's fault. It's my fault. That is on me. Notice here the fruits that are listed that all of us have. The first fruit is the fruit of love why is love the very first fruit that is, that is mentioned here? Maybe it's because Jesus summed up the commandments as we looked at um, together during our time of prayer this morning. In verses 37 through 40 of Matthew 22, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are three main types of love in scripture. There's eros love, which is erotic love. There is phileos love, which is friendship or brotherly love. And then there is agape love. This is divine love. This is The kind of love Paul speaks of here is agape love. It is the kind of love that God has for each of us. It is an unconditional love, a love that God demonstrated for us when he sent his son to come and dwell amongst us and die for us. This kind of love is produced in us by God, and it is the kind of love that should be reflected by us in our daily living. Next, there is the fruit of joy. I think it's important to understand that there is a difference between joy and happiness. Those two words are not the same. Happiness comes from the world around me. It is very much conditional on life's circumstances. Joy, though, on the other hand, originates from the Lord and is directly associated with one of the fruits of the Spirit. We have not been promised happiness, have we? But we have been promised a joy-filled life. Jesus, as he was hours away from going to the cross, he gathered all of his disciples together in the upper room to celebrate the Passover meal together. And before serving that meal, what did Jesus do? He stooped so low as to wash the feet of his disciples. And then during that meal, He will call out Judas for being a traitor. He will then tell Peter that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And in the midst of Jesus doing that, in the midst of Jesus doing life with these messy men, he spoke these words. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That blows me away. One of his disciples in a matter of hours will turn him over to die a criminal's death by crucifixion. His closest disciple and friend Peter is going to die him not once, not twice, but three times. And in the midst of this, Jesus tells his disciples that he wants them to be filled with the very joy that he himself is filled with. How can he be filled with joy in the midst of the heartache that awaits? He's filled with joy because he's fulfilling the will of the Father and doing the work that the Father sent him to do. You know, you and I will not always be happy, okay? But because Jesus living in us and the promises that awaits us, we can be joy-filled people. Next, there is the fruit of peace. Many times our lives are the opposite of peaceful, aren't they? They tend to be fearful. They tend to be a little stormy. They tend to be a little chaotic, hectic, worrisome. Each of these things that I've just mentioned are, 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 are things of the flesh, aren't they? They are the opposite of faith. In Philippians 4, 7, we read, In the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can live peaceful, faith-filled lives. Then there is the fruit of patience. Most of us do not do patience well. Since we live in an instant gratification, an instant access world, we expect everything to come instantaneously, don't we? That includes food, That includes our favorite TV programs. Um, I love what Justin talked about last week. He he made reference to HOV lanes, okay? Um, How many of you have ever um, taken the HOV lane and ran into dead stop traffic? How frustrating is that? You get on the HOV lane, you pay a few extra cents or, or quarters or dollars or whatever it is, and you expect to get to your destination faster than you would have otherwise. Man, that, those are the times that, man, my patience is really tried when I'm in that HOV lane and the traffic is at a dead still. We expect everything now. We're this way with God, too. We think he should answer us in our time, not his time. Allowing the fruit of patience to develop in us means we are okay with waiting on God. We recognize it is better for us to move at the speed of God instead of at the speed of us. Next, there is the fruit of kindness. You know, some of the most kind people that I've ever known are people within the church. You, You agree with that? And some of the most kind people that I know today are in this room today. Some of the most ugly and bitter people I've ever known have also been found within the church. And I'm not saying that of anyone in this room today. But we all know that to be true. David Thompson shared, kindness is that which treats others tenderly, gently, and not harshly. This fruit is just the opposite of one that is sharp and bitter. We can still be kind to one another, even if we don't always agree with one another. Next, there's a fruit of goodness. People that live spirit-filled lives are good people. They seek to do the good for others. They do not do this for show. They do this because they recognize as a believer we've been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Then there's a fruit of faithfulness. Faithful people are people that keep their word. If they say they're going to do something, they do it. A faithful believer is one who takes God at his word and lives it out. Next, there is the fruit of gentleness. To be gentle is to be tender, humble, meek, considerate, and mild-tempered, to name a few. A gentle person does not throw their weight around, but they seek the good of others. Finally, there is the fruit of self-control. Self-control is simply the ability to control oneself. It involves um, constraint. It involves the ability to say no to the desires of the flesh. One of the proofs of God at work in our lives is the ability to control our thoughts, our words, and our actions. William Barclay in his commentary said, It is a great quality when one can live in the world and have his garments unspotted by the world, All of us live in this world, but we don't have to be influenced by the world. But you know what we can do? We can influence the world for Christ. In closing, we are called to crucify the flesh. In verses 24 through 26, again, we read, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. Here's the reality. Even though we have the Spirit of God living in us, that does not mean we are always going to be victorious all the time. We are still clothed in the flesh, and our flesh constantly cries out and wants to be satisfied by the things of this world. Crucifying the flesh means we are no longer going to allow the flesh to reign supreme in our lives, but we are going to allow the Spirit of God to reign supreme. That is why it's so important for us to not only allow the fruits of the spirits to be developed daily in us and get out of us, but it's also important for us to make a commitment every day that we're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. How can we Prevent the gratification of the flesh? Well, first of all, don't give in to the flesh and seek to get rid of those things that have a tendency to tempt you. Allow the Spirit of God to lead. Confess every fleshly failure to the Lord immediately when you give in to it. We're also to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We can't expect to become fruit-filled people if we're not growing in our relationship with the Lord. This is a lifelong process. You know, we're, we're brand new into 2023. We're eight days in. Let me ask you a question. In these eight days, how have you grown in your relationship with the Lord? Some of you, like me, you started a new reading plan um, last Sunday where you committed to read through God's Word in a year. Some of you may um, have gone online like we've done over the past several years, and you may commit to read through God's Word um, over a two-year period. We've got a reading plan that we have on our website that you can do that. Growing in our relationship with the Lord is important and essential. We need to get in the Word. And we need to let the word get out of us into others. And we need to be the hands and feet of Christ. As we close this morning, let me challenge all of us to live spirit-filled lives. Let's live spirit-filled lives instead of lives that are controlled by the flesh. You want to impact the world out there? That's how we do it. You want to impact those that we do life with inside? That's how we do it. We live spirit-filled lives and not lives that are being controlled by the flesh. So let's stand together this morning, and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. You may be here this morning you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you this morning to come and place your faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and and, and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning you don't know Christ, I'm going to pray and you come. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning just thanking you, Father, again for our time in your word, Father. Lord, we know that we are in a war. We are in a battle. Every single day we have to choose, am I going to live by the Spirit or am I going to be controlled by the flesh? flesh we know that the flesh produces destruction, but we know that the Spirit produces life. And Father, you have called us to be individuals that go into all the world and preach the good news of salvation to those that we come in contact with. We go, Father, for the, with the hope that lives will be transformed and lives will be reborn and lives will begin to reflect who you are. Father, help us to be your hands and feet wherever we go. Father, I pray this morning that if there is someone in this place that does not have a relationship with you, that today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, be with us now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. You come.